This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, I'm Hanif Baharuddin and you're tuned into the show that brings you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Creative endeavors, especially for budding artists and musicians, require support and support can come in many forms. For Safehouse KL, their way of supporting these efforts is a bit literal by opening their doors for these talented individuals and groups to utilize their space for performances, events and also workshops. Located in Tamantun Dr. Ismail, the space managed to host multiple events or parties as they would prefer to call them before the pandemic. And like many others, they managed to adapt and continue their activities online after that. But with the second MCO still ongoing, can they sustain whatever they're doing right now? Hi, my name is Alicia Fyrus. I'm from Subang Jaya and I'm one of the partners of Safehouse KL and I do graphic design. That's Alicia Fyrus, the co-founder of Safehouse KL. And before we talk more about how they're coping right now, she's going to help explain the philosophy behind the space. Um, sure, I mean like what it was intended to be was a multi-purpose space for like the creative community. So we aim to like attract like young people in the creative arts scene and then for people to have like um, have a space for them to express or to like do business or to like learn and to have a platform basically in, yeah, in Save Us. Uh, most of us are from like a the creative background and most of us are independent creatives as well so we and we are all like around 23 to 26 years old so we grew up knowing that it's kind of difficult to get the resources or like uh, the, these platforms unless you have the connections or if you've signed or if you have like the networking for example so when you're young and you want to do things and then you have like these ideas sometimes the restriction is like for example it's the venues because it's expensive so what we try to do is provide this space where we allow like where we have like some sort of like uh, agreement with uh, younger people where we're not so strict on like how to say um venue costs for example like rental fees so when it comes to like young people we're open to like collaborate we like we we work with percentage so it's more of a collaboration instead of like a event venue and then you renting it from us yeah i feel like sometimes uh i mean uh, having had conversations with other people within the industry as well i feel like sometimes these are the things that are not as i guess highlighted as much i mean it sounds a bit boring sometimes to be talking about costs or things like that but i feel like it's a very real concern that i think a lot of people have faced right when it comes to managing uh, or rather in trying to support their creative uh, initiatives right uh, so it feels very uh, heartening to to see safe house i guess focusing on these aspects of the scene that sometimes people have sometimes obviously forgotten but uh, not really highlighting is that is that a fair assessment i do think so i think it's like um because i think only recently that like the creative arts has picked up because macam before it was very like traditional form and then it was always like Malaysia when it comes to creative arts is always performing arts or like fine art but then now with the age of internet there's more mediums of like things that kids can practice on so there's a lot more content there's faster consumption so kids are getting more and more talented and more creative these days but they don't have an outlet so I think the part on the like industry juga is like is that I think this is the part that could be revised. Like, how do you allow these kids to practice this? How can it be like, how does it make sense for them in their, for example, fields? If it was like graphic design or if it was like motion graphic, things like that, like 3D. 
So what we try to do is try to speak uh, to a younger, to the more like youthful like voice where we try to um, provide a platform or tools that we can help. So most of it is like honestly DIY, but we try to see what they try, what they want to, want to achieve and then we try to meet in the middle and to get that done lah. Mm. Going back to your background, uh, as much as you guys are in the creative arts scene, you guys are also not formally trained, right? At least from what I've read. Uh, so, how important is it to gather people who are not necessarily formally trained in the art scene, but rather have the interest? Uh, and especially, uh, also banking on the kind of different backgrounds that you guys have as well. I think for us, it's mostly that um, we try to look at, because some people, I think, especially in our climate, not everyone can afford to go to art school, especially if it's not the most uh, feasible or like most... Macam, when we were young, our parents would probably wouldn't let us go into the creative industry because it doesn't, like, it wouldn't make money, for example. So not everyone has that privilege to, for example, go for it, uh, for it as a formal education. So what we try to do is provide like workshops or like classes, things that allow for people who wants to like learn these things or like from us who have like the resources, who has had the like experiences to like share with these people, for example, yeah. What I noticed with Safe House KL is that even prior to the pandemic, you guys have already been utilizing the internet as a form of medium for education as well, right? So is that like a foresight on, on your end to be able to recognize that, hey, the internet is a platform that we need to utilize as much as uh, we are also an event space, a physical event space? I think it's mostly because uh, we are all like uh, internet kids. I'm turning 27 this year, but like I'm kind of the oldest in Safe House. Everyone else is like 21, 20, 22. So a lot of us are internet kids. And I think that was the only medium that was accessible to us because it was free. So that's how we communicate. That's why, where we meet all these people, all these like, local people. And then you realize there's so many talented people out there. So when we had the space, the space was just an opportunity for us to like, how do we elongate, how, how do we increase the lifespan of this art, for example, of our, everything that we create. Since content, is, like I said, content now is like churned out every day, but then the moment it's put up, it dies there. So the moment we have a space, we allow it to like increase the lifespan. We allow kids to learn how to uh, do an event. We learn kids to like know what it takes to like plan, what's the like things that you is necessary for you to know if you want to like have this creative life as your career, for example. Yeah, I know the landscape has changed a bit uh, post-pandemic, but prior to the pandemic, what are some of the events that you guys are organized at Safe House KL? Since we opened up in October 2019 and then we had a month for renovation. So we honestly had only two months of operations before pandemic. But we did throw some parties. Lah. We tried to call our events parties instead of events or like club nights to make it more seem more friendly. So we had parties like Purple Disc, uh, which is more of an alternate pop party and then we had uh, Atas Malana which is catered to more hip-hop and then we had also like techno electronic and then we had like um, just workshops and things like that as well yeah as an event space that's just about to bloom how did the pandemic affect your work uh, I think it was really tough because we were quite demotivated for like the first week but then we tried to like okay let's just try to mobilize our crowd online since most of them are young people so we tried to have live stream shows from April to June we hosted like weekly live stream shows and then how we paid artists was that we took donations and then percentage of those donations will go to the artists so well, it was quite tiring because it was a 
it was constantly like asking people or oh, if you like you know for donations like hey so it wasn't as uh, straightforward as your normal offline event for example and then this year when it was locked down again I think it was really hard on us because we were already picking back the momentum after everything was like uh, started to slow down again but then this year was a bit tough last but it was just it feels like we at this point we do need to change our mode of business Mm, but considering uh, at least at least um, well based on the initiatives or the things that you guys uh, were doing back then, uh, it seems like the transition was kind of smooth. At least at least from the outside, it looks yeah. it looks pretty smooth uh, in, yeah. in the way you guys uh, tried to adapt. Considering yeah. that, I think because there are a lot of people who struggled to also adapt with with yeah. uh, doing things right during the MCO. So yeah. based on the uh, based, I think at least based on my observation, you guys seem to react pretty well. Was yeah. that the case? At least behind the scenes. Uh, I think. Uh, I mean. I think we have. Uh, we have a. At the time, we had a team of eight. So now we have a team of six. But at the time, I think we tried our best, lah. We tried to find out like how do we how do we make this work? How do we make this work? Like, I think from the last year, we have already like thought of if this is going to last for another next five years. How do we like make sure that we are sustainable online at least? How do we make sure this continues? So there is always the debate between like if safe house is just a physical entity, like if it's just a physical space, or can it continue to be a brand online, for example? So obviously what we would like to do is that the thing that helps us continue this whole like safe house platform is when we do workshops. So when you have workshops online, people are still inclined to like joining them because it's not as tight. I guess when you watch live stream shows, it's a bit tiring as opposed to having a one hour class. So these are the things that where we had to learn to troubleshoot that what works and what doesn't work when you do it online or offline, for example. The workshops are pretty interesting. I think based on and the kind of workshops that you guys do as well are pretty beneficial for a lot of people out there. It's still it's still on brand for for what you guys do based on what I observe. What's the mechanics like in terms of working that out? Was was it difficult to get people to sign in or even be interested in in these workshops? Mm, I think for us it was not as difficult. I think because we learned to build a brand first. So what we did was we would throw like free parties. We would throw like yeah free events and all of these things so people start to like know of us and then we start to like introduce little little things that like oh if you want to do if you want to join our workshop so mostly our marketing is pretty organic we've only tried like paying for marketing for for example like once but other than that it's mostly because i think there is a there is a community out there that's interested in learning especially in like the creative scene but i think it's just more like it's not really being tapped into because I think currently in KL it's being divided into groups like genres or specific so in example you have a space only targeting performing arts or in a space only targeting like certain kind of genre of music so what we try to do is we try to engage with both creatives and also people who appreciate art so it's not like uh, so much of a buying business transaction but it becomes a point where people can interact with their favorite artists and learn and normalize like paying for tickets for their for like local artists as opposed to like international artists I've been speaking to Alicia Firos, one of the co-founders of Safe House KL, a creative space for the arts located in PTDI. We're going for a short break. Stay tuned. I'm Hanif Baharudin and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9.
BFM 89.9, you're listening to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. I'm Hanif Barudin. Joining me this week is Alicia Fairos, one of the co-founders of Safe House KL, a space that's conducive for the budding artists in the creative community. We've been talking about their approach and one interesting aspect that's worth pointing out is their transparency in communicating to the public, how much their instructors and contributors that are conducting these workshops will be receiving from the fees. But I think the the part where we can be transparent is the part that where we don't take any cut. So I think that's where we it's just easier for us to know like to let them know where where actually everything goes, because most of us uh, do this as a part time as opposed because we have our own full time work. So that's when uh, we don't really we don't really need necessarily need to like say that we can actually disclose where the money goes lah. For example. Mm. What about donations? Asking for donations is also something that I think um, people have a different kind of mindset when yes. it comes to when it comes to donations as well, right? So, yeah. so how do you guys go about uh, at least convincing people to donate, and what's the reception like uh, in terms of the the kind of donation that you guys receive? I think initially in the first uh, when we started the whole donation process, donation system is mostly for the live streams. So it's like those like uh, how to say when you have a live show on and then they pay for you to like when you like it you pay for it. For example, so I guess it's like uh, mostly known on like in the internet world, but we would we don't really have those whole that whole donation system if we're not actually offering any service or product. So it's mostly for the live stream, but it was quite tough because at one point it felt like it wasn't. I don't think donation is the right word. Maybe it's just like, maybe we think there could be another word to substitute for it. So yeah, but we haven't continued with that anymore. We now we just try to do something more straightforward, like payments, like payment for the product that you receive, for example. Mm. After uh, ex, well, I don't know whether experimenting is the right word for it, but uh, after <laughs> I guess ad- adapting to to the new normal and and you know uh, having more presence online. Uh, after the second MCO, I mean we're still in the second MCO, right? Uh, yeah. Do you guys think that uh, this is something sustainable for you guys to do to at least operate safe house or let safe house survive? I think the crazy part is that we have been sustaining for the past two years. I mean, that is crazy because we started like literally a few months after the pandemic. And But I think the fact that the moment we learn to, we know that this is not going to be our full time and we're not going to like, it's something that we can like communally contribute each of our part to do whatever it takes to survive safe house, then it can be sustainable in terms of business operations. But something that we try to hopefully be able to do if it's sustainable for the community, where we can ensure that creatives or artists are being paid regularly and is on demand regularly, for example. So that's the part that probably takes a bit more than just um, our programming. Maybe it takes like, uh, other people as well to help us out. Mm. Is that something that you guys will eventually have to work on um, collectively as as a scene, I suppose? Because it's good that you're, I guess, aware of these things. Uh, but do you think that the scene at large are also aware of 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 this? And perhaps um, is that something that the scene collectively can can work towards as well? I think so. I think so. I think people are getting more aware of it, and then uh, especially because I think. Most of us that were like were brought up on the internet, now we are reaching our thirties and thirty twos, and then we realize that oh, okay, doing this as a whole career maybe not be it may not be sustainable for our like for us. So we start to troubleshoot, we start to understand okay, what can what can be improved. Now we also have governing bodies and then organizations that are trying to like help out and like understand the problems as well. So I think it's also like a larger discussion to have that like. We need to understand what policies are needed or, for example, deeming events as an essential or I don't know. So these, there are things that's like bigger than that as well that 
I think it would be nice to have a community that conversates about this. Yeah. Mm. Safe House tries uh, its very best to democratize art, right, for for the public, for the masses. But like you mentioned earlier, there is that possibility of sometimes smaller cliques, uh, I guess, being formed within the within the scene itself, right? Yeah. So so is that something that worries you, and is that something that needs to be recognized? Perhaps that cliques can sometimes form naturally, right? And sometimes there is a need to some somehow I don't know whether there is a need but is that something that needs to be addressed perhaps? I, I think it's something that needs to be addressed and then at least be aware of. I don't think it's something that we are uh, we are trying to push. People have their preferences and then it's, we are in no way to like tell them what is uh, what we should or should not do. An example is that some uh, we are we pretty much push for like local arts here in our in safe house. So some people prefer to work with Southeast Asia or international, which is also fine. I think at the end of the day, it's just more preference. And even if it's just more like, for example, we have we work with a lot of young kids who maybe have like limited experiences in the field and also is interested to perform. We also try our best to provide for these spaces. But there will also be other spaces that are looking for something different. And I think it's just a matter of preference. But I think it's important for us to at least acknowledge or be aware of what our actions or what we are what our role is in the community for example mm. and I, I guess uh, the same applies in the music scene as well right I think it's a, I think it's the same I think it works hand in hand for example visual arts is like uh, it's more of like a it's, it's the same as like music I guess because it's also genre at the end of the day like visual arts will be like fine painting and now graphic design is booming up for example and people are trying to pay crypto for it and then there is also like music in terms of like genre where before what kind of like sound would be the definitive sound of Malaysia and then how we try to emulate it to today but is that the only form of like Malaysian sound for example are there ways of us to like progress as Malaysians or are there any ways for us to embrace other new form of techniques of for example so I think the young people has a lot of potential in trying to uh, showcase or trying to do things I think it's just whether or not they have the platform or the space to do it mm. Uh, you guys are closer to the grassroots community, right? Um, so, based on your interactions with them, how have they been reacting to the pandemic? I think for the event, a lot of event venues, I think, are struggling. Uh, and not just like, just the front-end like creatives, also as like sound designers or like all these like videographers, photographers, because... I mean, there are no jobs, there's no events. So a lot of people are definitely for sure struggling. So I see people are now going into other method, like forms of businesses like baking and cooking or go, going as a, like working in a cafe just because there is no job for them right now out there. So people who depended on weekly uh, performances or like live shows, that's completely cut out. So it's been really tough, like, I think. It's been really tough. So uh, I think... It's like I don't, I'm not so sure if the the solution is to just learn to pivot because I think that's the word that people have been using a lot these days, just learning to like pivot. But I think it's more also like understanding what it means for their career at this like point of time with the pandemic around. Mm. What about the artists themselves, whether musicians or you know painters? How are they coping with the pandemic? Um, I think, I mean, I, I can't speak for everyone lah, but so far it, they've been only trying to be as optimistic as they can, if not like completely depressed. So since we're all on social media, so everything is pretty much shared. A lot of people are just trying their best to cope, but I mean, it's obviously not, it hasn't been a good like year so far lah. Mm. Like, do you think that 
for the creatives, they can survive on their own, for example, especially considering that social media is, is such a beast these days, right? And you can perhaps survive on your own platform, right? Uh, do you feel like that's also a worry for, for a collective like you guys that perhaps maybe musicians or artists can just, you know, use their own TikTok account to perhaps promote their own work without going through channels that are usually facilitating what they do? Oh, no, of course not. I think what we do is completely like, uh, we work with like creative. So I think we're not like a collective or a management system. We just honestly just provide a space. So if they are like, I want to do a, an event and there's 18, 19 year olds and I've never done an event. So what we try to do is that, look, this is how you can do it. We can do the marketing, we can do the design, you guys can do the planning. So that's how we do things. So they don't necessarily need us unless they, for example, they want to work with us. So like, like social media as a platform is good. I think some, it's something that we always encourage for them to utilize uh, to build a brand because I think that is actually, uh, unfortunately, an important part of like being a creative in today's industry. Mm. How can consumers help in this? Like, uh, especially now, apart from, I guess, participating or watching your live streams or joining your workshops, what else can they do to contribute or help the industry now? I think the first and foremost is also like, it goes back to like how I would always say about how you would pay 300 ringgit to watch one international artist, but you can't pay 20 ringgit or 30 ringgit to see five local artists. So I think it's just, it's just like, it just goes back to like supporting your local art, supporting your local artists, your local creatives, your, the craft like businesses. Don't try to like haggle, learn to like, um, share it's just like simple things that you can do it online or even not just that it's just learn to like um, uh, go to their cafe buy a drink or two these little things I think it goes a long way so I, I also like probably do research in like what you are supporting and what you are like for example like pushing for and then these things will help us like eventually I think Mm. We see a lot of creative spaces like yours uh, popping up around town, which is a recognition of how important it is to support the local and small creative scenes. But do the people in the scene then become competitive with one another or are you all supportive of each other considering that you do work towards the same goal? I think assuming that everyone is like super like supportive and like La Dida is like super... Uh, I don't think that's, that's real lah. But obviously, I think any form of healthy competition is good. But I think it's just more of like recognizing what we can bring to the community. And if in large, we could support by like working towards the same goal, then I think that's like no reason for us to be like hostile. So, but I think for us is that, uh, that was a question that I noticed that like people bring up a lot as well. Is that if we were to do the same businesses, should we be regarded as competitors? I don't think so. I think there's always a market for everyone. It's just whether or not, like right now at this timeline, are we able to like carry it out? Are we able to do it? So, Alicia also has some pointers for those of you out there who are thinking of starting or doing something similar to what Safe House KL is doing. I think is that uh, one is that if you want to do events, then please wait until the pandemic is over. And two, do not quit your day job. Just take this as like understand that. This is more of a this is like more of a passion or an interest, and it's not a money game. So, yeah, those are the two things that they should know. Uh, when it comes to things like this in Malaysia, especially, it's always driven by passion, and it can never be done full time. It can, but but I guess yeah, there are some sacrifices that you have to make, right? But generally, I think based on my observations and especially having some friends here and there in the industry, 
that's the consistent thing that they always tell me like like for example you need to have a day job at least or you have to just yeah be mindful that you know you can't make money out of this then it's always good to have a backup yeah i think is that at the end of the day is that if we don't have a if we can't increase the demand then it's very hard for creators to get paid enough or sufficient to to have a day job i mean the moment when we start to like naturally invoke this whole like local sentiment of like appreciating or paying the same amount how we pay one pay for one international artist i think we could like strive towards going there but we are still at that like point where we're still like debating whether or not we would pay for a 30 ringgit gig or a 300 ringgit gig to see an international artist so that's the part juga lah like a conversation that needs to be had like this is this something that you also tell aspiring musicians or artists that you work with that perhaps they can't rely on just their craft to survive uh i try not to burst their bubble i mean i have friends who tend to love doing that because They are, but then um, I try not to. I think what I try to do is just reason with them and see what's their bigger plan. At the end of the day, it's either like you are realistic on what your goal is. If you are a musician, what's your what's your end goal? Uh, how do you get there? The biggest that you could do is like you be like you now where you you move overseas or you're like Joe Flizzo or you perform in Good Vibes and after Good Vibes, what is there? You know. So there are these things that you need to like understand what it takes to like be outside. Because I think the opportunity we have here is different than if you were born in the U.S., for example. It's very, very different. So I think these are things that should be recognized. And if you are able to recognize that and you want to pursue it, then I don't think it's impossible for you to be successful. It's just that it's very uh, idealistic to rely completely on passion and identity. Yeah. We're still dealing with the pandemic. Uh, so what, what's your outlook for the rest of the year? And for the future of Safe House even, like, you know, moving forward for, from this? For us, I think uh, this year we have, because uh, we ha- we lost four partners in the span of one year and a half. And then we got two new partners now. So we're trying to do more um, like F&B. We will be renovating our space to have prefer- something like more like food and beverage related. And then we will be also having subscription basis workshops so what we are trying to do is that we get like uh, about 10 teachers 10 creatives to teach like from different fields to teach classes so the classes will probably be like a four-week session so the students can pay maybe like a certain amount of fee and then they get about like 40 classes per month for example so we're trying to still work on the like the structure for it but it's something that we're trying to do now this year Mm, okay, all the best with that. So for now, if people out there would like to find out more about Safe House KL, where can they go to? Uh, you can go check us out on Instagram. It is uh, safehouse.kl. Yes, that is it. We do not have a website, unfortunately. Yeah. You've been tuning in to I Love KL and I've been speaking to Alicia Fairos, one of the co-founders of Safe House KL, a space for budding creative communities out there. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at bfm.my slash ilovekl, our app which you can find via Google Play and the App Store and also Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin and you have been tuning in to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Remember to stay at home if possible, practice social distancing and stay safe. Join us again next week only on BFM 89.9. The business station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.